This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey, did you know that Jenny's new five-book children's series called The Story of God is officially out for sale? The Story of God tells the big picture story of why God made the earth, what is sin, why do we need a rescuer in Jesus, what God has given us in the church, and then what is coming for us in heaven. And it is just these incredible tools that are simple, beautiful illustrations that help you sit and read with your child and understand the basics of our faith. And at the end of each book, there is a parent experience guide that you can sit with your kid and it gives you like step-by-step things to ask them or point out or read together or do like little activities. And Jenny's heart with this experience guide was to really equip you as a parent or as a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle to be able to have these big, deep conversations with your kids and for it not to feel intimidating. So you can go to theolaby.com, that's T-H-E-O-L-A-B-Y.com, and you can order the Story of God set today, and you'll get each of the five books in the series over the course of the year. So come on, join us. There are some amazing freebies, like a parenting webinar with Dr. Paul Tripp, Max Licato, Ruth Chow Simons, Trillia Newbell, Jeff and Alyssa Bethke, and so many others, including Jenny. And this webinar is only for our friends that order the Story of God before August 1st. So go to theology.com and order the story of God today. So you guys, such a treat. We are so grateful to have our friend Max Lucado here. He has blessed my husband and I, really all of our marriage, but specifically even in the last few months with COVID, we have listened to his sermons. We have watched his little COVID snapshots, and I'll tell you what, he has such a pastor's heart. And what I'm excited to discuss with him today is just, you know, what that looks like to follow Jesus all the days of your life, starting from when you're young to when you're old, and how to actually give Jesus away. And specifically, what I think Max is so good at is he tells stories. He captures people's hearts with with the creativity of God and the great love of God. And so we're so excited to have him. And Max, I have to tell you, another reason you're here is because you are my my kids. You were their favorite children's book author. So this is also such a treat to have you. In fact, my daughter might pop in because she was like, you're interviewing Max Lucado. I have to tell him that even to this day, she's 18 years old, she picks up You Are Special because it comforts her when she's spinning with with comparison or anything else. So thank you for how you've ministered to our family. And I'm excited for everybody listening to get to hear from you today. Well, it's my treat. It's my treat. And uh, Jenny, you've uh, really uh, taken up a, a permanent place in our hearts as a, an effective and reliable Bible teacher. Uh, I've shared with you before. In fact, I think I've sent you pictures of our small group Currently, we're on summer hiatus, but the last uh, three months, uh, January through the through the till we had to stop meeting. We watched you and uh, so thoroughly enjoyed your teaching from Greece of all places. <laughs> My goodness, what a trip that must have been! But you you took that huge text, that great <laughs> mon- monumental scripture, and you're able to center in on the key key messages, and that's not an easy job. So. So well done. Well done. It's great to, great to talk to you. Thank you, Max. 
Well, let's start with just how you fell in love with Jesus. What, where did you decide, you know what, I'm in, I'm going to follow him? Yeah, yeah. Well, my story uh, had a few starts and stops along the way. I, I was raised in a great home, but I was also raised in a home that had uh, alcoholism in the family tree. Uh, though I became a Christian at the age of 10, I became a heavy drinker at the age of 15. Uh, alcoholism took the life of my big brother. Uh, it took the lives of several members of our extended family, aunts and uncles. In fact, I have an early, I have a childhood memory of going to rehab centers to visit my aunts with my dad. I mean, it was so prevalent in our family. And so when I started drinking at the age of 15, uh, Coors replaced Christ. <laughs> and, uh, I don't mean to chuckle. I'm not trying to be clever, but I mean, that's pretty well what happened. And for about five years, I was the kind of guy that you would not have wanted your daughter to ever go out with. I mean, I was just a mess. I was a mess. And uh, I was I was headed, uh, the, man, I was headed off the, off the deep end. Uh, my parents, I lived in West Texas. We grew up in a small West Texas town. My parents uh, said if I went to a Christian college, they'd pay my tuition. If I went to a state college, I was on my own. Well, I'm dumb, but not stupid. So they, <laughs> I, I ended up at a, a delightful school in a small town called Abilene. Abilene Christian uh, College way back then. It's Abilene Christian University. Now, just a wonderful place. Required Bible. And that was my dad's idea. I mean, it thought, if I can just get Max where he sits and has to read the Bible every week, there's hope. And sure enough, it took two years. It took two years. But in the spring of my sophomore year, I was 20 years old. Uh, I, I just gave my heart back to Christ. And I, my struggle, Jenny, was not to believe in God, but to believe that God would believe in me. That was, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was a mess. You, I mean, I mean it, it was a major prodigal son story. I was smelled like a pig pen. And uh, to think that he could forgive me and then use me. Uh, that was the turnaround. And so uh, I ended up going into the ministry. I actually wanted, went into missionary work and lived in South America for much of the 80s, uh, then took, took a job as a pastor in San Antonio in 88. And that's where I've been ever since. Right now I'm semi-retired. I still teach at the church uh, about 20 weekends a year. Uh, but uh, I've spent the rest of my time either writing or playing with my grandchildren. <laughs> and I bet you love that. <laughs> I do. I do. So I want to hear you and your words today, and this is going to bless me personally. I want to hear you describe Jesus because that's one of my favorite things you do in your writing is just describe him. Well, he's the uh, only picture of God ever taken. If you want to see God, you see Jesus. He's the ultimate revealer of eternal things. And he's the only ruler. He's the only ruler. Um, I've been thinking a lot these days about uh, John 3.16. You know, that phrase, one and only son. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That, and that Greek phrase, monogenes, uh, uh, you know, a unique gene. The DNA of God was placed in Jesus and so I, I, I like that phrase, the only picture of God ever taken. Uh, and and I, think, I think that's it. Uh, to see, if you want to see, see God, you look at Jesus Christ. Mm, that's so good. So when you are sitting down to communicate that to somebody, 
whether it's in person or whether it's in writing, what do you think the greatest barrier is for any age to receive Jesus and to understand who he is? What a great question. What a great question. I, t- I, tend, I tend to think I come at teaching from the assumption that people want help. Mm. Uh, I just assume that. I just do. And I know there's some people who don't. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to speak to that person who says, uh, my heart is broken or my life is confused, or my struggles are are real, and I need help. For the person who says, my life is great, then God bless them. Maybe I'll catch them, you know, at another season of life. Uh, So if if I assume that I'm talking to people who want help, the barrier would be I'm unworthy of God's help. I've outsinned God's grace, or I've screwed up too much, or I've made too big a mess out of my life. Uh, and so that's that's the barrier that that I love to help people walk through because I that's the barrier that I that I faced and and continue to to struggle with you know that that could I ever outsend God's grace uh, could I ever write too many checks on His account of mercy well if I could I'm in trouble I'm in trouble I love the idea that that it's God who so loved the world, not Max who so loved God. Mm. It is God's love that holds me to him, not my love that attracts him to me. He is love. You know, that's that statement in first John, God is love and he's not loving. He's love. And I cannot improve on the treeness of a tree or the skyness of a sky or the rockness of a rock. And I cannot improve on the love of God. So I, I don't have thermostatic impact on his love. He, he, my good deeds don't make him love me more. My bad deeds don't make me love him love me less. He is love. He is love. That's a hard thing for us to imagine because everybody else treats us according to our behavior. God doesn't. He treats us according to his character. And his character is love. He's a merciful, good, loving God. And I, I, I just think that's the... That's such great news. And that good news. It's such good news. That's life changing. news. I mean, that would change the world. It changed the world. Well, and it's different than any other religion, right? Like this is the thing that I just, when I've struggled with Christianity or just is, is this it? Like, are we sure this is it? I come back to, it's the only one because I will never live up. I will never measure up. And I, I know that in my bones. And so to be a Christian is just such a gift that I know I can rest because it's the work of God and not me. It is, it is my favorite. It's my favorite thing. You know, I, I, I remember uh, re- realizing, I can't recall if I read it or if I realized it, maybe it was intertwined, but that there's really just two religions. You know, a religion that says done, a religion that says do. Mm. Uh, the religion of God through Jesus Christ says the work is done. It's done. Receive it. Uh, the work of every other religion, or no matter what form it takes, says do, do, and hope that you've mm-hmm. done enough. Uh, g- salvation by grace through faith says it's done. Mm-hmm. Trust, trust, believe, rest. It's got all this compelling invitation to just set yourself down in the hammock of God's goodness. Where every other religion, no matter how it comes, you know, no matter how it's expressed or what other, uh, you know, how it's presented. It, it just says, well, do it. And hopefully you'll be 
I don't know, reincarnated or accepted. So it's a no brainer to me. I would, because of the empty tomb, right? Because of the empty tomb, I place my faith in the work that's finished on the cross. I want to talk about Jesus in our everyday moments. And I think that's another thing you do really well is just help, help us see how he's available to us every minute of every day. And so I kind of want to ask you a personal question of just what does that look like for you these days? Like, what does it look like to just trust Jesus in the everyday moments of COVID and where we find ourselves in this unique moment? It, well, it's some days it's easier than others. Uh, the, the last two or three days, I have felt myself in a bit of a slump. I think it's just the wear and tear of the world. Imagine, and this will describe some of your listeners, imagine those who have lost their job or imagine those who have come face to face with the backlash of, of racism. Uh, imagine those who uh, have had to deal with the uh, you know, immediacy of COVID. My heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to you. I mean, I'm, I'm slugging through the last two or three days, and I'm insulated for all practical purposes. And if you're up there on the front line, God bless you. God bless you. And uh, I just pray the presence of Christ uh, to be upon you. In the seasons in which I valley out or kind of uh, slump somewhat, uh, I trust, I trust that uh, God doesn't have to have my good mood to do a good work. <laughs> you know, if he does, I'm in trouble. But, but, I, but I do, I do want to be obedient, even on days that it's difficult. I want to, you know, I want to keep my word. I want to love my wife. I want to get my job done. I want to be respectful to people. I want to, I don't know, if I have to finish a chapter or write a sermon, I want to do my work. You know, I just want to show up. I want to show up. I want to, I want to get, get, get on the team, uh, you know. And some days I do it with more gusto than others. But let's not ever let the presence of Christ be contingent upon our performance uh, let's let's let the presence of Christ be contingent upon his promise to be with us. Uh, if we ever let it be contingent upon our performance, then we've just created another system, right? So let's let's believe that he's with us on the days we feel close, but let's also believe he's with us on the days we don't. And because uh, he 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 it's he it's Christ who matters. He's everything. Well, I love that so much, Max. It's actually really comforting to me because I think where I get off sometimes is just, and, I, and I'm actually talking to my daughter a lot about this right now. She's 18 and she feels like her relationship with Jesus is just like this. So it's it's up and down. I was like, you know, he really is always with you. Like he's not up and down. Like you feel that way, but but he's pretty steady. So rather than feeling like you've left him or you've been in a bad place, you know, maybe it's just what can I change or what can I do? Because I do think we tend to feel like God is really distant. Like I look back at my college journals and I every every journal entry is like, I'm so sorry that I haven't met with you in a while. You know, it just always starts with an apology as if I've just been gradually, you know, falling away. But I think what you're saying is just, hey, he's good. He's right there. He's always available. We do this, yes, and and let's try to make those dips smaller. But but he doesn't. And it isn't, I mean, it's comforting to just picture. That's so good. That's so I don't know. I just think we get really distant sometimes or we feel like we are. We feel like we are. We do. We do. And that's why uh, we've got to let the, the fact of Scripture, the promise of Scripture, 
override the feelings because our feelings are not dependable, are they, Jenny? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we've got to take our feelings out and give them a good talking to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're just just not reliable because our feelings emerge from this complicated body in which we live, this personality, you know, that that can be influenced by what we ate or what the weather is, you know. And so, so let's stand on promises. Jesus said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So let's stand on those promises because mm-hmm. uh, we are, we're going to ebb and flow and, and, and come and go. But that's why, again, we get back to the promise of Christ and, and, and that he says it's done. The work is done. So he's never going to let us go. So let's begin there and then grow grow in him the salvation is done sanctification is ongoing so let's believe that we're saved and nobody can take that but sanctification is that process in which we grow in our fruitfulness in our joy uh, in our understanding in our wisdom in our hope Uh, but he's not going to let us go even when we turn in a c plus uh, on our on our daily report that is good news i want to go back in your life just a little bit and talk about even just the fact that you wanted to write children's books and why that mattered to you, what you believed about them, investing God in them. I love children's books, Jenny, and and they're so much fun to write. They're so much fun. They're a lot easier, I think, to write than grown-up books, you know. But I I, I started writing stories for kids when I had little kids. I have three daughters. They're all in their 30s now. But when they were young, you know, we would have story time at night. And we would make up stories. And that's really where my story started, was just making up stories for my kids. Oh, I love that. We have to just talk about one in particular, that the You Are Special, because I've never read it to my children without crying. <laughs> I think what I want you to speak to, Max, is just you understand the heart of humans, right? Like that's part of this. You understand the heart of humans and you understand the heart of God. And so connecting those two things is what your supernatural gift is. You're being too kind. You're being nope, too kind, but nope. I appreciate that. I don't cry at all the kids' books I read. I mean, <laughs> but it's just, it's the recognition that we, if you've never read You Are Special, you have to go get it right now. You'll cry. Even if you don't have kids, you need this book by your bed. But it's just the recognition that we complicate everything, right? And God is like, you know what? I just, I really like you. And I, yeah. I want to yeah. be with you, you know? Yeah, it's really that simple. It's yeah, that simple. yeah, and kids get that. Me, you know, of all the books I've written, do I have a favorite? And I say, yeah, it's called You're Special. It's my favorite book. And, and just a couple of fun stories about that book. Yeah. I wrote it on assignment. Here's what happened. There's a publisher in, in Chicago area, uh, Crossway. Wonderful people. Uh, Lane Dennis at the time was the president. and. Uh, he, I, I agreed to write a book that included seven children's stories, and each story would accompany a painting by a wonderful artist named Ron DeCiani. Well, th- this was way back in the early '90s, and I got a call from Lane on a, I want to say Monday or Tuesday, and he said, "We thank you so much for your six stories, but just a reminder." You promised seven, and it's due Friday. Well, Jenny, I'm a pastor. You know, at that time, I was full-time senior pastor, and I said, I thought I sent you seven first, but number two, I don't have time to crank out another story this week. He said, well, 
you promised. So that's how you are special was written. No. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's I desperate. cleared some time on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon no. and I walked into my office and I just sat there and I said, okay, I got to come up with a story. And I had noodled around with this little idea of stars and dots with my kids because, you know, self-image and the way kids treat kids can be so rough. And I would tell them, you know, if somebody comes up and says something mean to you, it's like they're putting a dot on you. So you just knock that dot off. If somebody comes up and puts a star on you, that's a compliment. But what if God put a, I can't remember, you know, but I'm, so it ha- I had the nucleus, but within about three or four hours, that it, it was, it was supernatural, really. It, it just came together so quickly. I sent it to him. It was one of seven. The book came out about a year later. Lane said, people keep asking us about this one particular story. You are special. So we want to take it out of the book and turn it into a standalone children's book. And I said, whatever you want. Well, then it took off. It took off. So I, oh, I, you know, sometimes I talk to people about writing or preaching or preparing messages. And, and, and I say, you know, sometimes you're inspired, but sometimes you've just made a commitment. You have a deadline. Right. And the spirit can use obligation as much as inspiration to mm. get a job done. Well, and it's so, isn't it funny that, you know, the things that mean the most to people, sometimes you just, it's like, really, that was it? That was, that was the thing, um, <laughs> which just keeps us humble, right? Because it's not in our might and not in our power, but by the spirit, there's not another way. And so we just depend on God. I want you to talk about the legacy that you pray that you're leaving and and not just obviously your your greatest legacy will be through those grandkids and and your kids and the generations to come through your family because that's probably the most investment you made in life was there but but even just your writing like what do you pray people remember about you one day and what they learn from you I I like to write books for people who don't like to read books I try to talk to that person who seldom picks up a book, not because they don't want to, but because maybe they're so busy or maybe because they're kind of overwhelmed by the whole idea of reading a book about the Bible or about theology. I really like to talk to to that person. So if I have a a legacy through the books, it would be that, that, that Locato made it accessible, made it reachable, put the cookies on a shelf where I could reach them. And I, and I appreciate that. A payday for me is when maybe a wife comes up to me and says, you know, my husband doesn't read any books, but he, I saw him the other day reading yours, you know, something like that. That that's payday for me. Well, one of my small group leader or in my team, my small group, she said, Jenny, you know, why I love Max, because we were all talking about your book on anxiety and, you know, it was COVID and how, how much that was blessing our people. And, and she said, I just love Max because he puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. So it's happening. Like that's, that's exactly the words. And, that's and that great. meant everything to her. Cause sometimes it's like, especially when you're struggling, you don't need an intellectual exercise. You need the peace of God. And I think that's where you just keep everything out of the way. And, you know, I think about, you know, your passion for people and I wonder, you know, is that, from God? Like, did you just, have you always loved people? Because being a pastor is hard over time. And I know a lot of pastors eventually would say things if they were really honest, like, I don't know if I like people. (laughs) People are wearing me out. But Max, you really genuinely, whether you're talking it through Zoom or pastoring, it just feels like you really just love people. Well, 
Okay, you're being a little too generous <laughs> with your, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about a friend who called about three or four days ago, and he said, we want you to come to this three-day event. Uh, we don't want you to speak. We just want you to show up and just hang out, just hang out. <laughs> and uh, it's at a nice hotel. You can just talk to people. And this is a good friend. And so I was honest with him, Jenny. I guess now everybody is about to hear uh, my confession. I set you I up said, so poorly. He did. And I, I said, you know, friend, <laughs> that's not my idea of a relaxing weekend. I mean, if I want a relaxing weekend, we've got a neat little lake house and right. my wife and I escape to it and, and we hang out and we go on boat rides. I said, I'm, I'm happy to go hang out with people. But to me, that's ministry. I mean, that's right. You know, but I, I have to say, okay, my job this weekend is to say hello to everybody, love on people, and see what's going on, and listen to stories, and see if I have any advice. And I'm I'm really happy to do that. But I'll I'll confess, it's 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 a decision. It's a decision. Right. I do love people, but I have to decide to go be okay. with people. I come home after a. Of course, we're not going to a church building right now, but when. Uh, on a regular weekend, I'm toast on a Sunday afternoon. I'm just toast. Now, some people, I know many pastors, maybe you're more like this. I don't know, but uh, they love it. They, they, every conversation gets them pumped up for the next one. For me, every conversation gets me a little more toward empty. So I have to go and retreat. I guess I'm saying all that. I really do love people, but (laughs) I, I have to take them in limited doses. I think that's so helpful. And everybody listening is so grateful for that answer because, you know, I I think it's hard, right? It's like, okay, your way of loving people might be in your office writing a book. Like that might be the most loving thing you can do. And actually I'm pretty, I appear very extroverted, but I get very overwhelmed too. And I knew what you were going to say when you were invited to that hotel and I would have said the same thing because I do, I get, I get overwhelmed too. Now my, my ideal is, you know, three or four friends over a long dinner. Like that's, that's, that's the fill up for me. But yeah, I do. I don't think you're alone in that at all. (laughs) So your grandkids, when you're with them and there's, you know, I'm sure they've thrown little fits at your house and all that. Like, what does it look like for you as a granddad now to invest in them and to give them perspective? Because I mean, we are watching just in general, the, the numbers of anxiety you know, kids diagnosed with that go just through the roof. And I know that's a passion of yours and you've written a lot about that. Talk about this next generation and just your hope for them. And maybe even, you know, what you see in your own, just in your own grandkids when they come over, like what could help parents that their kids are struggling with fear or anxiety during this time? Yeah. And it is off the charts. You are absolutely correct. Suicide attempts. It's, it's, it's just devastating. It's devastating. I Talked this last weekend. Guy texted me at 5 a.m. His daughter had attempted to take her life the night before at about 11 p.m. Uh, they they got to her, got her in a hospital, and gratefully she is okay and things are better. But that's that's a all too common story. I think part of it has to do with just this onslaught of bad news, just one layer after another, after another, after another. I think another has to do with the uh, rapid pace of change. You know, we've all read, and I think rightfully so, that we've had more change in the last 30 years than in the last 300. 
it, the world is, is moving at a frantic pace. And then I think the a third really contributing factor is just the, a secular society. Uh, we, we have raised a generation of, of young people who have not been urged to consider a higher power. And it, you can even be that nebulous about it. We've just taught class after class after class without ever mentioning God. No reference to God. No mention that there's somebody somewhere who will help you get through life. And uh, many of us were blessed to find ourselves in a home uh, where our parents, you know, did their best. But lots of kids don't even have that. And so all of those layer together to create a generation of people, uh, of, of young people who are, are just spent. They're just spent. And so it's not a, not an easy time, not an easy time to to be a, to be a young person. But but here's my hope, and I think society is about to say, okay, secularism did not work. We've got all this know how, but we have absolutely no no why. Mm. Got all this know how. Here I here you and I are talking through tiny little instruments that can fit in our pockets, and yet most people don't know why they're on this earth. You mean that's what secularism did for us? That's what secularism did for us. I'm praying that there's going to be this resurgence, this return, this revival that's going to say, okay, I was made for something more than this world. And, and who is it? And, and what is it? And I'm just praying that we as a church are ready because good days are, are about to happen. I'm, I'm really optimistic and hopeful. I am too. Yeah. I love hearing you say that though. That that affirms kind of what I where I've been with the Lord too of just really? I think this is a stripping away and a pruning that is going to cause the church to grow and to flourish and there's going to be a hunger. And if you, you know, we've had somebody we know that did some research of just what what people are googling and all these searches and of course anxiety is a huge one, but religion is a huge one and the numbers of people that are researching is there God and like they're asking all these yeah. questions and I think what a moment for the church to to not be rocked, to stay steadfast, to keep our eyes on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and to just do the work of loving people and being there for them and helping them process, you know, I really do. I think we could walk out of this and see the church grow. I mean, I it might look different, right? Like we're, we're looking at a very um, shut down church currently, but I do believe, you know, the church is quiet and growing even in this. Like the people I know that are praying more, more committed than ever to teach their kids about God. Like there's just almost a desperation in us. I think that, you're right. That's going to, I think, be a spark for for when things open back up to to see more and more people come right, to right. come to Jesus. Absolutely, I'm, I'm hopeful. I really am. Um, I'm a part of a group that meets on Zoom. I'm about to get nauseated with Zoom calls, but I, I have a group I meet with on Wednesdays and pastors from all over San Antonio, leaders of prayer groups, and we're doing our best to figure out how we can get the whole city together to pray. Oh and God. also, I'm a part, I'm meeting with a group. Now, we've been meeting in person, although it looks like we have to resort to Zoom, uh, with with uh, Black pastors. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're so gracious, so full of hope and encouragement. But boy, they're helping me see some things I could do better. And mm -hmm. so I'm experiencing some personal breakthroughs. So, you know, what if that's happening all over the world? It is. I promise it is. And and anybody listening right now, I just want you to be encouraged that what Max is talking about is in his personal life. What I've seen in my life is in my personal life. 
but I'm hearing it everywhere. And I bet you are too. And so it's just that do not, you know, I was reading in Ephesians 3 this morning and it says, yeah, the purpose of the church is that the manifest wisdom of God would be made known to the world. That's the purpose. How could that happen if there's no tension? How can that happen if there's no stress? And then his next line is basically, don't be discouraged, church. Like this is going to happen. God's going to make himself known and and he'll do it. And we just have to show up. And I love what you said about like, just do the work, put your head down, write the chapter, have the neighbor over in the front yard, socially distanced, like just do the next thing and he is going to make that happen. Hey, last but not least, and this this is, I can't wait for this little part. Max, could you just speak to the child right now? You know, there's a parent listening and their kids are in the back seat or they're somewhere in the other room. And could you just, you know, and, and right now I just want you to go get your kid, pull them up close. And could you speak to them about Jesus? Just tell them why he's so good and why you love him so much. Okay. Well, I would so excited to talk to you. I wish you were right here with me and I could pull you right up on my lap. I would. And I'd give you a big hug. And I tell you, it's going to all be okay. It really is. It's going to all be okay. And sometimes it's scary. And sometimes you have trouble sleeping. And sometimes you imagine things even when you're sleeping. That's all right. That's all right. I want you to know that God made you. And God loves you. And God knows you. And that he is taking care of you. He is. And he wants to talk to you all the time. So the next time you're afraid, you just tell me, say, God, I'm afraid. And God will say, that's all right. I'm right here. And you just let God love you today. Will you pray for everybody, Matt? Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for my sister who loves you, who so faithfully bears witness to you uh, and is a teacher as an uh, organizer, as a convener. Thank you so much for her commitment to you. Thank you for her commitment to your family. Thank you for her commitment to these listeners. And thank you for the Jesus who lives in her heart and our hearts. Lord Jesus, these hard days, they didn't catch you by surprise. They sure did not. And we believe with Mordecai what he told Esther, relief will come. Relief will come. Really, all that matters is, are we going to take advantage of this Esther moment and step forth in faith? So help us to have the courage to do so. Grant us a blessing just today, Father, of your, a sense of your presence. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you want to go deeper with this whole series that we're doing about the five things you need to know about God, we worked with our friends at the Dwell app to make a Story of God playlist that you and your kids can listen to in the car or wherever you're going, and it's straight from Scripture. So from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you can listen to God's plan for the world. We just absolutely love the Dwell app around here, as you've probably heard us talk about it. So just for y'all, we did 10% off the yearly plan. You can go to dwellapp.io slash Jenny or follow the link in the show notes and you can download that today and let us know what you think. Mm -hmm.